Hi, and welcome to Talking to Artists, a casual weekly conversation where artists share their inspirations, process, challenges, and business ideas to give art lovers and aspiring artists a peek behind the curtain. I'm Kate Taylor, full-time Canadian artist and your host today. Thanks so much for joining us. Good morning and welcome to today. This Thursday's Talking to Artists. As you can see, I'm in my uh, beautiful studio here. This is at the cottage. I'm just going to give you a quick overview of it. So this is where I'm going to be painting and creating and uh, and everything for the next uh, week and a bit. So I'm pretty excited about that. Oh, I can see lots of people joining. Hey, Koso, good to see you again. I haven't, haven't been down to Boston for a while, but I'm looking forward to kind of going down there again and being a part of the Copley Society of Arts. Jose, good to see you guys. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was actually just in the process of trying to do a, um, a submission to do another solo show at the um, Copley Society of Art in Boston. It was so great a couple of years ago, but now, of course, not being able to cross the border has created some challenges for that. Just wanted to thank everybody for kind of uh, for listening to these talking to artists. I'm personally finding them really great. It's a great way to communicate. I'm learning so much by just having these kind of unplanned conversations with artists, um, which I'm really loving. So today's artist who I'm talking to is uh, Lane Verbeek, and he does, um, I got this wrong yesterday, so he actually does kiln-formed and cast glass. So the fused glass he does for his classes, but the work that he does is actually kiln-formed. And um, I've been to his studio, and it's amazing, and he's going to actually be be kind of uh, doing this interview from his studio. So I'm just going to really quickly connect, and we will wait for Lane to join us. Hey, Lane, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Haven't seen you for so long. Yeah, well, I think we can all say that to our friends. Yes, I know. I know. And it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of sad. Like, we're, even with the opening of potentially stage three, I still kind of feel like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to endanger my bubble, you know? You know, I just, I just don't need to go to a bar. I'm just going to find a way, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny because even my it. daughter was saying that. She goes, I can't imagine the need to go dancing in a really crowded bar in the dark would override your kind of the need to just try and stay healthy, you know? Yeah. You know, it's going to change everything. Like, remember the good old days when you have a birthday and you blow out the candles on your cake? <laughs> yeah. Now that just sounds like horrifying if you did that and then said to people, okay, have a slice, right? I know, I know. And you know, it's funny too, because I find even watching movies now, I'm like, oh, you guys are too close. Like there needs to be more yep. distance there, you know? And, and it's quite... I mean, my background's healthcare and public education. And that's why, I mean, the biggest reason we had the lockdown was to condition us that it's a new world, that we have to behave differently. And it's yeah. the best, I mean... If we did that for seatbelts, we'd have seatbelt compliance years earlier than it took. Yes, yeah. Although my father was probably one of the few that was very seatbelt compliance when I was a small child, even though nobody else had to wear one. It yes. seemed really unreasonable, but now it seems totally reasonable. Yeah, I'm reading this really interesting book I've just started called Station Eleven, which is uh, a Canadian writer. It's about 10 years old, but she writes about this really crazy pandemic that kind of takes over really quickly. And most of the book, I'm I'm just starting it. But most of the books actually what happens 20 years after this pandemic. Yeah, it's kind of, it's very cool. So anyway, um, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about your kind of inspiration. I've been to your studio and I just love it. I personally have a real thing for glass. I did stained glass when I was a kid and just really loved it. And yeah, just talk about your inspiration, maybe see a bit of your studio and uh, then we'll just kind of chat. 
I guess my inspiration for glass came from, I don't know, a few things. Um, I tried a lot of media over the years. I could paint decently. I could do photography pretty well. Um, mixed media, potteries, you know, I did all the different media over the years, but I had a career and, you know, I was the typical kid. Parents said, no, get a real job. Don't go to art school. So yeah. I did that. And I was always, quote, creative. And then I sort of hit a hard spot a few years ago. Job changes. And I started a software company with some friends. And then yeah. and in the middle of all that, I went and I was trying to find a place to do welding. I wanted to weld a sculpture, um, a six foot, 12 foot sculpture. And wow. Toronto has all those, uh, you know, do it yourself places, but no one rents you studio time or warehouse time to weld. And it was really frustrating. But in the midst of clicking, I found a place that offered Christmas ornament classes. And I thought, oh, what the hell, I'll try this. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, it was a simple little thing. But in the midst of it, I said to the instructor, what else can you do with this? Because I always thought glass was glass blowing, stained glass. And some people know about torch work, where they work on the flame and, you know. Right, manipulate they, like the tubes or whatever, right? And things like that. Yeah. But I didn't know about kiln glass, which is what I do now. And she showed me one book and my brain proceeded to explode. And so I made a few pieces and very quickly, I just knew it was my medium. It was like, it took 50 years, but I found <laughs> the medium and everything clicked. And so I started puttering with that, making a few pieces. And then it just, it sort of snowballed. It's amazing, but it's amazing how, like, you know, it's just like I, I told when you were saying that you kind of you, you knew that you'd found your thing. I, I just got goosebumps because that same sort of thing happened to me in the sense that I didn't go to art. I went to art school, but I didn't go to any of the art schools that did abstract because I wasn't interested in abstract. And then I ended up in this situation where, you know, a friend of mine, her mother, well, Coral Steinbrecher was kind of like, hey, let's go paint in the garden. And when I found out she was doing abstract, I was kind of bummed, but picked up that palette knife and the first piece I do. I'd found my calling and it was just, right. it's like this feeling that you just know for sure. That's what you're going to be doing. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I have a lot of people who come to me, I mean, because I sort of landed in the scene very quickly and uh, I did a lot of shows very quickly and sort of got some notice. Um, a lot of people who are practicing art, who dabble in art, even art school people or people who don't say, well, how did you do it? Did it just hit you? And I mean, it, it was fairly sudden. I mean, the first day I didn't know that I was going to give up my career, mortgage my house and put all the money into this, but it just felt right. And I, I sort of say, and one of my biggest successes in glass is something I developed that's unique. And people said, well, did it come to you like, you know, lightning, but it doesn't. I think it's listening to the little voices. I think there's also, there's a difference between knowing which path you're going to go on, which is kind of like the inspiration that you're, you're going to do glass and then building the skill sets and the techniques to be able to make it successful. I mean, that all takes time. That takes that 10,000 hours, right? Glass is really quite limitless. I mean, I've worked in a lot of media and there's talent, but then there's technique. Glass brings <laughs> a lot of technique. I mean, if you've done wood shop, you can benefit in, with it in glass. If you've done pottery, if you've hmm. painted, if you've, like every artistic media lends itself 
or is that your hands when you're in a glass studio? Some of the most famous contemporary glass artists are architects or interior designers, or um, one guy was a surgeon and he's knocked it out of the park. And it's, um, glass is just a, a vastly different, flexible and temperamental medium. So I'll never get bored of it, I guess is the way to say it. Well, that's good since that's now your chosen career. <laughs> yeah, I'll do this till the last day. It's, it's, um, and I'm, I'm thrilled that I found it because like I have a friend, he's a landscape photographer and he's known he wanted to do it since he was 20 and he's published nine books and his mm -hmm. photography of Canada's going to the National Archives. And wow. I was always envious that he was just constantly driven. He knows what he wanted to do. And I would feel that for a little while. I would do stained glass for six months and they go, oh, I forgot about that. Or <laughs> airbrushing or oil painting or what have you. And I didn't understand that drive or that need for the air of what his work brings him until it happened with glass. And I, a lot of people say, well, I want that. And I just say, it's never too late. Just keep exploring because yeah. you'll find it. You never know what it is. I mean, for some people it's, coding for other people it's designing others it's building it's i think we all have talents i think a talent is something that comes easier to you than harder but the real talent comes from you saying i'm going to stick with it you know through thick and thin i'm going to keep yeah going. well and I, and I think some of that some of that too is is talent but i think some of it is also uh, that it comes easy, but some of it is a drive, I think, to do things with your hands. Like I find a lot of times when people are striving to do something different, like it might be, I'm going to build a bunkie or I'm going to create a garden. Like I think a lot of them are around creativity, but it's also around actually, I think physically with your hands, producing something and creating something, which in this world of kind of intellectual thinking, sometimes it's just nice to have that, I guess, a different way of using your brain and your fingers, you know? Absolutely. And, um, I mean, I, I started exhibiting, selling my work and showing and so forth. And then I decided for a number of reasons. I mean, I could spend an hour just talking about the progression of the business that I have now. But mm -hmm. I now have many students coming in. Like you were one of my first students and the gang of friends you brought. Was, yeah, super and, fun. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was ironing out some kinks. It was a new group, but you were kind enough to let me experiment with you all. But you all finished with successful, you know, 11 inch bowls and what people say every single time is, wow, I can't believe it. And they can't believe they made something that's tangible. It looks decent on the table. And it's not like, you know, pottery, you know, your first piece of pottery looks like your first piece of pottery. And yeah. you're 12 and you're 15. Yeah. You know? yeah. Those horrible and things that sit on the windowsill. <laughs> I'm pretty good at throwing pottery now, but I picked it up and put it down many times. It was stubborn. Mm -hmm. And whereas glass, with fused glass, which is what I teach, it's not what my sculptures are, but with fused glass, it's engineered and glass has a zone of unpredictability from here to here. And fused glass is engineered and designed to work in this space. And if you work in that space, you can make some lovely pieces. Yeah. And, well, and I like, I really like your, that idea though, of also, it's a combination of controlling the variables. So people are, are gonna come up with something that's successful, but also giving them enough of the creativity that they can actually feel like it's theirs. I'm not just trying to create a lame piece that looks like yours, it looks like their own. And I right. think and you know, I, that's what we try and do with creative adventures as well. You know, like it's kind of mm -hmm. find I, your creativity. I have, I have a certain percentage, but I have many students who come in totally said, well, I'm just doing this one. Someone bought me a gift or 
we just yeah. try this for shit and giggles. Let's try something new. And it's always a surprise to the ones that say, wow, I, I'm coming back. Yeah. And the ones who come back, we have something called open studio. So you can work at your own pace and so forth. And I just give guidance as they progress. And these people, all ages, all skill levels, all kinds of careers, and they come back again and again. And then I know they're hooked because one day they walk in, come down the stairs and go, what if I did this? <laughs> and you know they're hooked because they're starting to understand the engineering of glass. Yeah. And you have to honor the mistress of glass. You have to honor the, the its technical challenges. Glass will break on you if it's not, right? But once people get that, get it under the skin, I tell them, you know, you're just manipulating mass. You're working with a medium. And I throw glass around and pick it up and do all these things. And I forget that it's glass because I'm just, I have the goal of what I want to make. And that's when you know it's in your system. You know what I mean? It's like when you're yeah. painting and that brush is just an extension, just like the pen or now your finger on well, your it, it, it's intuitive. Yeah, it becomes intuitive. But I also just think, you know, I just wanted to talk, go back to what you said before. I think it's just an amazing experience, too. You can have somebody who really kind of thought they weren't creative. And I agree, like, everybody's creative. But they produce something that totally shocks them. And then it takes them in a completely different path. And it's kind of cool to be to be part of their transition or part of their growth. I, uh, last weekend, I had a family of five um, adults. And one woman, I, I don't know what her job is, but she's in her early 20s. This is her first piece. Oh, it's beautiful. It's stunning. Wow. It is I lovely. Mean, it's stunning. And she hasn't picked it up yet. So, um, I'm, I'm so <laughs> well, you whoever you are, it. come and get it. Otherwise, someone else will buy it from you. <laughs> but that's a beginner piece. And yeah. so glasses, I mean, there's a number of things. I, I helped shape it a bit um, after the first firing. But this piece she could give to anyone or you could keep on your table for years to come. And that's, I think that's, um, people that get hooked on glass, you have a really easy win. It's, it's a really good first win. Your first painting is like, uh, paint by numbers or, or what have you, right? Or maybe you threw some paint and you had a couple lovely splashes that worked out. But glass gives you that first win and I think um, I know from my students, um, and the word of mouth is, uh, it, you know, if I could put one big billboard out, it would be saying it's easier than it looks all ages, you know, um, and certainly you could go much further and, and you can, I mean, I carve 20 kilo pieces that take hours and hours and hours to make, and then I might slip mm -hmm. and drop it. Um, you know, <laughs> well, that's, that's, I know it's like when you do the outdoor art show, I think it was last year and all of a sudden the wind and you hear that breaking glass and you're like, Oh, it's just, it's painful to hear. Yeah. <laughs> that's what well, happens you, sometimes. You've heard my stuff hit the pavement. It's happened yeah. several times. Um, it's horrible. It's heartbreaking. Learn, but I learned very quickly to just keep moving. I don't, I don't sob. People say, what do you want? Yeah. Lay down and have a little cry. And it's like, no, that's the medium. That's, that's what I signed up for. Well, and I think that's sometimes reality. I know I had a piece that was sold to a gallery when I was showing in New York. And then this woman with these huge diamond rings came up to this resin piece and was like, does this scratch? And I'm like, well, diamonds pretty much scratch everything. And yes, you've just scratched this well, piece that was already sold. And now I've got to ship it back to Canada and re-resin it and ship it back to New York. <laughs> I have a cold working area that's um, full of equipment that's highly customized, expensive. And uh, all of it is diamonds because diamonds yeah. is what cuts glass, diamonds and water. 
So you're in your studio now, right? Can you yes. give us a tour? And I'd love okay. to see, like, so this is the studio you do your, your fine art glass in as well as where you do your classes, right? Right. I mean, Toronto rents. Hello, I can't have two places. <laughs> yes. So this is, I designed the studio to um, do my work. I just did a very large installation for um, seven and a half foot panels for Tyndale University. And that took months of work and, um, I have some photos on my site, but they haven't had the big unveiling yet because it was uh, with COVID. But we yeah. were able to do that in part of the space. Two of us worked on it for three months. Um, yeah, I saw your videos. It was really cool to watch that progress. Yeah, I, yeah, I wanted, because they wanted to have something to show people. They couldn't bring, you know, their team along to see the progress in the studio. And I have mm -hmm. a couple other commissions. So the studio supports that type of work. But I designed it originally for classes, but given COVID, we had to do major renovations. So you may recall, you, you had the, you could roam most of the studio. But yeah. now with COVID, we had to, I had to refigure out what people used and move it all to the front, erect plastic barriers and the like. The barriers are put away, but I'll, I'll walk around a bit here. Yeah, that'd be cool. I just love seeing the inside of artist studios. I think there's just something kind of cool about where the magic happens. Yeah, well, I, I play with this one, so I have to go in reverse. Okay. All right, so that's the entrance. Um, when students come to take classes, they uh, work on these benches. So everything you need about glass is customized. So there are cork top benches that allow you to do your work. And the tables I can turn and hold up to 10. Um, this here, we call this the candy store because mm. all the glass has all these lovely colors. And so this is just 80 colors of the glass that we work with. Um, the manufacturer makes about 160. Yeah, hey, I, I remember that being a lot of the fun in terms of, you know, like, yes. you know, it's not one color of turquoise. You could choose seven or eight different colors of turquoise. Right, <laughs> and then the other half are all transparent. So yeah. um, when I exhibit, a lot of people say, is this glass? I can't believe it because they don't expect all these colors. But um, it's all special engineered, there's a long story. And then here are a bunch of tools um, and everything's numbered because I'm behind a barrier and I need to see people, well, what you need is in drawer two. And so there's been a lot of adapting uh, right down to this special fan that draws out the air, that changes the airflow in this. Oh, wow. Um, so that, that took a lot of engineering, but we did that just to put extra caution in for uh, the customers. And then I have a mini gallery space. So that's my work. Some of those pieces there. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, give us a close up of some of your work. I love your work. I okay. bought that one. Like, I haven't bought one for myself yet, but I bought one for my daughter, Miranda, uh, that yeah, she just yeah. loves, yeah. So this is called kiln form glass. So um, this took uh, quite some time. And if I spin it, you can see that there's uh, a design on the back. This is where you open the kiln and stir the glass at uh, uh, 1500 oh, cool. degrees. So it's- And is that, you talked about, you talk about glass swarf, I think in your website, is that what that is? Uh, no, so glass swarf um, is the thing I developed and it's like this, it looks like lava, but it's actually all glass. And this is mm. a recent piece that really shows the swarf. So that looks like granite or stone. Yeah. But that's actually all glass. Oh, it's beautiful. And that's, that sort of attracts the jurors. And, um, but most pieces I make with swarf are the first to go because it's so unique. 
and mm -hmm. I, I can incorporate in uh, various pieces. So these large pieces are called kiln-formed or sculpted glass. That little petal there is cast, so I, it's an open-faced casting where you make a sculpture in clay, then you make a mold over that, pull the clay out, and cast the glass. This I think you did, the, you did the you did like the Ganesh sculpture. He was that done that way, right? Yeah, I'll show yeah, you. I remember that. watching Actually, that. Actually, he's a um, lost wax casting, which is a uh, fourth method of kiln glass. So this is open face because the back is flat. Okay. So your mold is open, and then you just let it melt in. You know, like a cake pan. That's a copy of Ganesh. I made two just in case because it was an important commission. So the yeah. original wax sculpture, sculpture is on the left. That's the original I sculpted. The client liked it. Then I made mm. molds. And then that Ganesh, she's not quite finished, but they have the original. Oh, that's so neat. And that was in I the kiln for- I didn't realize days. you could do uh, lost wax um, with glass. Like I sort of usually associate that with brass. Right, so lost wax is an ancient technique where any mold where you can't pull out the original copy, you know, because there's undercuts and shapes, um, becomes lost wax. So lost wax includes jewelry, bronze sculpture, like the large ones we see in parks, and glass. Mm -hmm. It's basically mm -hmm. the same technique. So I can take my sculptures or my molds to a bronzer in North Toronto and say, give me a bronze version of Ganesh. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it's very cool. You could make, I could make a sculpture and make it in glass, you know, silver and bronze all at the same time. And then mm -hmm. I could actually cast a resin or a, an acrylic uh, version in the same mold. So anything that will set in a mold. <laughs> this is bullseye glass. So this is all the glass that we use. These are the larger pieces. These are um, just different samples of the types of things you can do in fused glass. This was a technique I came up with, and people don't believe it's glass, but it, yeah. it uh, has an amazing range. And then there's different pieces. Um, so that's the area where students are. I have a photo booth because I have to document and you know take pictures. I can't just take a picture and crop it. Um, right. This is frit, so this is all those colors crushed into small pieces, and we use it for a lot of different things. These are finished pieces that students um, will be picking up this week. Different materials. What else is here? And oh, so this you, is the I'm kiln sorry. room. Yeah, so, that's where the magic happens. Hot, hot, hot. Yeah, <laughs> for, for glass people, the schedules you use for the kiln is almost our secret recipes because you can sculpt something as much as you want, but once it gets into the kiln, um, a lot of things can happen. So learning the kiln is the hardest. It's a lifelong process, really. You continue to develop it. It's not like ceramics where you fire, you know, up to the top, it vitrifies and then cool it. Glass does right. a lot. Here are some finished pieces of students. These are all first-time students. Huh. The kiln looks ratty, but after 25 years, it still runs. And so they're, they're just still cooling or are they just, that's just where you're storing them? Yeah, they're cooled. I just opened them up this morning when I came in and they cooled. So mm -hmm. we'll grind a, a round bottom on the bowl so they stay level and wash them and wrap them up for pickup. And then this area, it's hard to interpret, but all this equipment um, is for carving and cutting glass. So these discs, just these discs are 500 US a piece. Um, those are the diamond discs that I grind on.
Right. And, and that's this, really more, that's more for your work, not for your classes. That's right. Then, right. But I teach more advanced classes of casting. So I do have people who are casting now and carving and polishing their pieces. So they work their way up. I, I'm the only studio outside of a school or a professional um, league or a guild that offers grinding and cold work to students that I know of in North America. Uh, anywhere else that offers fused glass just offers that. It doesn't offer all that other equipment is um, uh, a big undertaking. So I can see that you've, uh, you've basically modified your actual studio so that you can deliver classes within for COVID. And I'm assuming it sounds like you're behind a plexiglass shield and your artists or your guests are all have to be within a bubble and it's one social right. circle. Um, but one of the other things I thought was really amazing, especially at the beginning, is how quickly you pivoted to do these kind of glass at home kits. Like everyone was trying to struggle with how to continue to do some of this teaching. But you want to talk yes. about that a bit? So um, it's on my website and I have a lot of examples on um, Instagram. I call it glass in a box. It actually, it appeared quick, but I, I struggled with it a long time because having worked in this software company, we started a software company. And we've all read that in software companies, you know, it's, you, you constantly move, try to anticipate. Um, yeah. Uh, Build a plane as you're flying it. <laughs> right, right. Take it till you make it, all that type of stuff. So that, <laughs> that was sort of already in my DNA. And uh, I was facing down the barrel of rent for, I'm in a downtown warehouse. I mean, rent is crazy. And yeah. so I, I just saw business folding a, an art, a uh, school nearby closed very quickly. And I just thought, I can't let that happen to me. I don't want to sit back in a desk. My inspiration was to not have a desk job as opposed to, <laughs> I want to make the store work. So, right. Well, that's a good um, driver. <laughs> yeah. And, and I saw restaurants were starting to offer food, packed food or, or takeout. You know, restaurants were adapting and fronting the stores. And I thought, well, maybe I could do that with glass. But my first thought was, well, Who's going to want to cut glass on their kitchen table without instruction? I already have people yeah. have anxiety and I walk them through it, but how am I going to do that remotely? And then right. I thought, well, the tools, it's over $120 worth of tools just to start. And am I going to buy all those tools and send them to people's homes? And who knows? And then it was like, well, as you recall, when you make your first piece, you cut a piece of glass. I give you a base piece of glass and you cut all this other glass, glue it on top and carry it very carefully to the kiln room to be fired. Well, right. how am I going to transport that from Richmond Hill or Oshawa? So it wasn't just, it was a little bit of an idea that I kept saying no to. I kept struggling with it. Oh, it's impossible. It's impossible. And um, I just worked through each problem. And then, oh my gosh. <laughs> and then I had to order special glue. And the only place I could order that was open to glass suppliers was in Colorado. And I had to have that shipped. And then I had to order tools. And then I needed boards. And I had to find a supplier that wouldn't sell me, you know, if I call Uline, they want to sell me a pallet of boards. I needed 10 boards, things like that. Um, it came right down to, I designed the sticker, the labeling, safety warnings, right? Don't keep out of reach of children, all these things. And it was so much. And then I designed all the instructions. They're all visual. Then YouTube videos. I've never done YouTube. Look at me. I don't <laughs> want to be on YouTube. But I did an hour of YouTube videos. I did all this. And it came down to the day that Sam, who works here, and I were trying to put glue in these little bottles because you only need this much glue. 
we don't need to send them, you know, the $75 glue bottle. Right. Well, we couldn't get the glue into the bottles because it formed <laughs> air bubbles. And we were arguing with each other. We tried seven, eight ways. We got turkey basters. We got syringes. We got, I mean, it was, it's, it's to this day to pour this extra thick glue. It's a special glass glue. It came down to that little piece. If I didn't get the glue right, I couldn't sell the kits. Finally, we got through it all and the kits took off. And so it did take off. It took off really well. And what I encourage people, no one else is going to develop glass at home kits, but what the process did helped me in many ways. It's going to help me more. It's already given me ideas for Christmas because Christmas is my biggest time. I'm not going to be able to have the same number of people come in and make ornaments. So right. how am I going to do glass in a box for Christmas? I realized if COVID was gone today and I was back to my normal operations, glass in the box will give me students and people who don't want to drive downtown. I had a woman order six for her family in Woodbridge and they had a birthday party with it. So, so can you talk a little bit about more specifically about, so how does it actually work? So if I go to your website and say, Hey, Lane, mm -hmm. I want a glass in the box. How do I, what happens next? So what you do is um, I offer 11 different projects for adults and kids. You pick one that you like. Um, they're all beginner projects and they're all priced accordingly. And then you pay for delivery. So if you're in Toronto, it's $20 and further out, it's more. Um, if it's two or three kits to one home, it's one delivery fee. And there's a three visit delivery because I need to deliver the box to you. You make your piece, put it all back in tight. So your unfinished piece comes back to me. So I have to go pick it up again, excuse me. And then when it's finished, I deliver it. So it's a three visit per home. Um, and that's included. And amazingly, between my videos and the instructions that are included, I average maybe one text question per customer. And these are all new customers. And when wow, I started, that's pretty good. I thought it would be existing customers, even someone like you who've done one, say, mm -hmm. well, I already have an inkling, so I feel comfortable doing it at home. Well, 95% of my customers are all new. So when you think you know something, it's going to teach you a little more lesson, right? And um, that's the marriage of, I mean, I think this could extend to, I mean, I've shared this with other friends who are artists and I've asked advice. It's, we, we make art. We happen to have a talent to make art. We call it a talent, but people have talents in all kinds of fields. Right. We have to advertise. We have to tell people about us. And so, I mean, my biggest investment is advertising glass in a box and also figuring out the message that, hey, you can make glass at home. You're, you're not bringing a furnace and rolling 2,000 pound, 2,000 degree glass. I'm rambling here, but you get the idea. No, no, yeah, no, and I think that it also, it's one of those things I think that, like, for example, I went through, so, you know, Angela and I, when we do these creative adventures and they're designed for non-artists in the same way that a lot of your stuff is, and it definitely, you have to really force yourself to think differently because there are certain things that when we first started, we just kind of assumed, like, I assume people are going to know how to hold a paintbrush. I assume they're going to know which colors are going to go together. I assume that people have a basic understanding of color mixing. And then you realize, well, that's totally not fair. Cause if you haven't done it since, you know, you were seven, of course you don't remember that stuff. And so we found the same thing with each successive uh, adventure we did. Um, and so I do one with my little treasures, which is like my Monet pieces. Like I can now direct people so that they're not producing one of my pieces. They're producing their own interpretation, but they have the skill sets now to be able to, create something that they're usually really, really happy with. And I now start to recognize 
okay, I can see you're struggling with color. You don't know which color goes together. Or I see you're struggling with how to start or you're afraid of screwing it up. And that's all part of the learning, I think, for us as artists, but it also helps us to make, I know, create a better experience for people who right. consider themselves not to be creative. I, 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 um, I actually de developed, I, I never taught before, actively taught before I opened the studio too. So that was another big anxiety, not to mention all the mm -hmm. other things I'm balancing. I come at it a different way with glass. I tell everyone, even artists, forget what you know today because glass yeah. is such a different medium. It's going to surprise you. It's not going to do what you expect. And you're making something in 3D, not 2D. And my goal, my mission isn't to teach people glass. It's to teach adults that they have creativity. And I use a lot of, you know, different ways depending on the person to help them find colors i think a lot of people underestimate the skills they already have so yeah i, I agree say to someone yeah. a woman will say well what am i going to do with these colors and i said well if you're assembling an outfit with a scarf would those colors go together and no she instantly knows how to change the colors or i might educate yeah. people the difference between warm and cold tones of glass or say, you know, all those tones are cool, but you have one hot one. Is that what you want? And I don't say it's right or wrong. I, I have a lot of people who start and say, is this right or wrong? And the only right or wrong I correct them on is what technically will happen to the glass in the kiln. It's right. wrong to have this much glass hanging over the edge. And I have found over time that approach has actually made people want to come back more. It's helped them sort of put their anxieties away. And I say to them right at the beginning, I'm not going to ask you to draw a house. I'm not going to ask you to draw a turtle. Um, yeah. And so take the pressure off. And if people are really stressed, I say, just pick the colors you love and cut them till they fill the top. And yeah, then well, and, and, we, and we do sort of the same thing with creative adventures. And one of the things I noticed even when, on your website, it's about embracing kind of serendipity and embracing the unknown. and you know, we try very much to encourage our adventurers to do the same thing because it's like you can't you can't always control everything and artists can't control everything. And part of creativity is just intuitively finding your path to things. And so, like you say, it's like pick the colors you love. Chances are they're going to go together. Like be mm -hmm. free with it. Just enjoy the process and the piece will be infused with that kind of that energy. But don't be so stressed at the beginning of having to produce something perfect because that's kind of the death knell of Right. Enjoying yourself yeah. and having any creativity, right? Right. And, and um, you know, and I'll, I'll tell people, I started by making Christmas ornaments a few years ago. And when they understand that's my progression, they say, okay, this, you know, it sort of takes out the intimidation. Um, yeah. My regular students, I'll say, you know, just make a few tiles. You don't have to, you know, I'd love them to make a bowl each time. It's more money. But I'll say, make four or five tiles with four or five techniques. We'll fire mm -hmm. them and then see what you like. Glass requires a lot of control. Like people say, oh, you must put it in and get surprised every time. I can't afford surprises. Like one of those pieces, just raw materials is four or $500. Yeah. Not counting the equipment and the overhead and everything. So I'm not going to throw, you know, $500 of glass in the kiln <laughs> just for fun. Um, yeah, but but there is an a, there must be an aspect too of um, I mean you control as much as you can and with your experience now you know which colors are going to go together and how to form them or how to craft them or how to build the molds, but to a certain degree, I'm just guessing there must be some 
part of the uh, the process when it gets fired that is sometimes a happy oh, I sure. know, I, result, I mean, you know? Happy coincidences. Yeah. I, I think it's down to about 15, 20% or less. Like the vast majority, you know, the color blocking and, and the stuff is where I want it to be. And for kiln farming, I, I work to make a big hunk of glass that has designs and patterns and colors I like or a theme I'm trying to go for. But the cold working, which is what sets this apart from, I mean, it's sculpture more than glass making. I, I mean, I've had other glass people tell me, um, refer to yourself as a sculptor, not as a glass artist. So for the cold working, I just want to kind of clarify. So cold working is working on an existing piece of glass and then you're grinding it and shaping it in the same way you do stone, right? Right, without the heat. Yeah. And the, some of the same equipment we use to carve and polish stone uh, we use for diamonds, or we use for glass, sorry. Um, mm -hmm. Only it's more elaborate, and um, I could cut and carve stones in my cold working area. I would be ruining it for glass, but I could do it very quickly. It's right. um, Stones are cut with either um, a form of carbon or diamonds as well. Um, and water, right? I mean, I know, I know when I see, like, water. Irene Serco and stuff when she's grinding, she always has lots of water, I guess, to keep everything moist and That's not burn out. Cold work. And anything you put in a kiln, I mean, when you work in glass blown, we call it hot work because it's a hot shop. Um, mm -hmm. In kilns, we call it warm glass. It's not warm. It's the same temperature as lava when we take it up. But relative to glass blowing, it's 300 degrees cooler, so we call it warm glass. And cold working is anything you grind and polish. Even our lenses and our glasses. When um, a lens maker takes a, a simple puck of glass and they grind it to the shape for our prescription, that's cold working. And they use the same equipment we do, but much more precise, you know, computer controlled and measured and so forth. And that, right. so our, our glasses are cold work. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, um, glasses everywhere and we forget. Like, people don't know if lightning, you can buy these, they're called, um, I think they're called algorites. Oh. Yeah, it hits the sand. Yes, it will make a yeah. tube of glass. And you can yeah. buy those on Amazon and so forth. And so people say, is glass man-made or artificial or man-made or natural? Probably natural because lightning would hit it. And, you know, it, it's a very raw glass because mm -hmm. the silicon sort of, yeah, it's a pretty neat medium. It's, it's pretty endless what you could do. So if I get bored, <laughs> it's not the medium, <laughs> it's me. Well, maybe you'll be so old that you won't have to worry about it by then, right? That's right. I, I think, and I think also you're always going to be moving forward. That's what we do as artists, right? Like you, you develop a certain level of skill and a technique, and then your first thing is like, but well, what else can I do with it? And where else can I take it? And what more can I do to push that boundary, right? Yeah. I mean, from the business side of things, I think anyone who wants to sell their work, you know, I've had many people, and, and we all share, you know, we're in the tent all those days at shows and we're sharing ideas with each other. And like, um, I, I almost do it overboard, but I track all my customers. I track what they bought, when they bought it. Every piece I've ever made is documented, weighed, measured, photographs before and after. And it becomes this rich trove that you can go back to because if you want to keep going, I mean, many times people say, well, I'm buying this. It's going to make you rich. And it's like, no, you're just paying more for my habit, right? <laughs> yeah. Covered the rent for another month. Now I can go play again. And if we yeah. want to keep doing that, which is, you know, in the end, we're all kids and we want to just 
keep finger painting. Keep or, playing, or, but not have a too bit too much stuff in your studio, right? Right. Um, <laughs> you want to produce it and then have it out. <laughs> the the cost of the equipment in this place is nuts. Yeah. Um, a lot of people say, why have I never seen this kind of glass? Well, no one spends this kind of money. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. there's a very few places. But, you know, really, a lot of artists, I hear artists say, well, here's my card, but don't go to my website. I haven't updated it recently. Like one trick is I tell every, in every email I announce shows, I tell people there's always new pieces. Even yeah. if it's two weeks later and it's in the same city, I tell people, you know what? I'm going to have new pieces at every show. You just keep it moving. It forces yeah. you to keep it moving. It forces you to innovate. Um, I think it also, frankly, it forces people to buy when they like stuff as opposed right. to like, I've had, I have people sometimes where they'll come back two years later. It's like, I saw that piece at our walk in the square. I'm like, Oh my God, that was two years ago. It's been gone for ages. Like I can do a commission for you, but do you mm. honestly think I can afford to have pieces sitting around for two years that don't sell? Like I just, you can't. Well, if I have a piece for two years and I get bored of it, I smash it and remelt it and turn it into oh, something else. <laughs> that sounds sad. You shouldn't do that. Oh, Sometimes no. you just have children that have it take longer to find their homes. But you have to embrace that. That's, those are, that's why people <laughs> come back for glass because the rules are really different. I keep yeah. her next to my table. And I, I, I mean, 99% of the time, a student's first piece comes out without a problem. I, yeah. I think I've had two bad pieces in two years. But I wish they break pieces. I want them to get over that fear. It's just glass. It's just stuff. And yeah. Well, and that, that's kind of, I guess that's part of the fun of it. Once you don't, once you're not so emotionally invested in a piece, right? Like, I think if, I don't know about you, but for me, the part I love about the painting that I do is actually the process of it and the feeling of doing the process. And so the end result is kind of the end result that's based for me on the experience of the creation. Right. So at the end of the day, you know, if it's, I guess if it gets damaged, it kind of sucks, but it's not, it's not sort of the end and, of the day, end of the and, world. I mean, you know, we're not standing in those white tents in 30 degree weather because we're making money, right? But we're they are fun. <laughs> Yeah. But when someone buys a piece and saying, we're putting this on the mantle in our house, that money That's... comes and goes, right? That money pays your hydro bill for the month. But that piece is on their home and they chose to make that a centerpiece. That's about as good a reward it is. I mean, we tell I, our kids, I agree. hey, you know, Sarah, you made this lovely piece. I'm putting it on the fridge. Well, I'm over 50 and people buy a piece of my glass. It's not going on their fridge, but it's going on their mantle. It's the same well, and, dynamic. Same and not only is it going on their, yeah, not only is it going in their mantle, but it's also one of those things that's now part of the, a child's history of the pieces that they have, and it becomes part of the legacy, and it gets passed on to generations, hopefully. And I just think that is so neat that you can produce something that is will hopefully outlive us as artists. You know, right. it's kind and, of an ongoing legacy. And yeah, the I mean, the, going back to way at the beginning, we were talking about people. You were saying you like to work with your hands, people. I mean, we are all so stare, stuck at staring at screens and, and mm -hmm. you know, I'm never going to say, hey, did you see this amazing PowerPoint I did? We're not going <laughs> to share that with people. Hey, mom, look, you know, um, <laughs> but with a piece of glass, you know, or, or anything you make, it's tangible. It's something you hold. And I think that's primal in all of us to build. Yeah, I right? think so, too. And if yeah. you come here, you can make something, you can hold it, you can... I mean, the funny one is, uh, it's more with uh, teenage boys, when they make the bowls, the first thing they text me back is, can I eat out of it? And they all take this <laughs> Cereal? Cereal. 
Absolutely. <laughs> I have a teen, they're, I used to have a teenage boy. Their only goal is to make a bowl for a bowl of cereal, like a big ass. That's bowl really of big. Yeah. Yeah. But if that's what if that's what it takes, come in, you know. And I look, I think I'm actually out of time. I think I probably oh, went over, okay. over chatted. I'm hoping I haven't uh, lost the opportunity to kind of post this, but I want to thank you so much. Um, and we didn't even much. get to talk about all your awards and your shows and all that stuff. Cause right. you've got all of that stuff too, but um, right. thank you so much. Enjoy. And I'll post your information so people can learn more about your, uh, about your glass classes and all your right. art. Cheers. Okay. Bye. Thanks. Wade. Okay. Bye.